Hello and welcome back to our latest Grazia Beauty Life Lessons podcast. I'm Jolie Walker, Grazia's Beauty and Health Director, and it's lovely as ever to have you with us. On today's show... Hi, my name is Emma Dabry and I am a writer and broadcaster. Emma Dabry is a social historian based between London School of Oriental and African Studies and the Sociology Department of Goldsmiths University. Her debut book, A Don't Touch My Hair, was published in 2019 to worldwide acclaim, exploring the history and politics of black hair. You can um, tell a lot actually about race relations and um, where we're at through norms around black hair. You can see histories of kind of assimilation, histories of resistance. Her Channel 4 documentary, Hair Power, Me and My Afro, explores how people's identities have been shaped by their hair. She's also involved in a campaign to make hair discrimination illegal under the UK Equalities Act. Children will be excluded from school or punished or discriminated against in some way for many of the hairstyles that are just entirely ordinary and necessary hairstyles um, within black hairstyling culture. Most of us have things from when we were younger where we wish we'd listened to our mother's good advice, but maybe didn't take it on board. In Emma's case, it's overplucking her eyebrows. My mum was like, don't do it. I did that in the 60s. I have no eyebrows left and fashion's going to change. You're going to hate it. And I was just like, shut up, mum. <laughs> Kept doing it. It's a great chat, so let's get into it. Here's Emma Dubry. Hello and welcome, Emma. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm uh, very excited for our chat today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But actually, before we jump in with our five pieces of best beauty advice, I just wanted to know how you would describe your beauty vibe in general. So whether that's low maintenance, high maintenance, do you like to invest time in your beauty routine? I don't know. Like, so historically, certainly throughout my 20s, I'd say it was kind of like, I don't even know if it was high maintenance, but I wore a lot of makeup and I wore makeup like every day and I regularly reapplied it you know whereas now it's far more either it's usually either like quite glam or quite quite scruffy and probably like most days yes certainly most days now I do not I do not wear makeup but I really enjoy um I enjoy makeup like I, I love makeup I think it's like just a really kind of creative and expressive and fun thing and I think like a lot of other people I've been getting like a little bit more into um well I know skincare is like massive but I know like some people have kind of like re or kind of gotten into it more like in lockdown and I feel like probably like fall into that category I've been doing a little more but I guess I'm actually quite low maintenance with skincare yeah makeup would be my main the main thing be your main thing. So you like to keep it low key or really go for it and kind of find joy in doing a glam look, for example. Yeah. yeah. I think I'm quite in an unadventurous though with my makeup in that like got like a black cat eye, like a feline flick. Feline flick. I've been wearing the feline flick almost every day since I was 14. So pretty consistent with that. That's my go-to. So yeah, so the feline flick is very much your kind of signature makeup move. Yeah, you could say that. And I'm kind of irrespective of whether it's in fashion or not. I like it. You it's know, and sometimes that corresponds with fashion. Sometimes it doesn't. That's all good. It's my thing. It's your thing. <laughs> um, and obviously in 2019, you launched your brilliant book, uh, Don't Touch My Hair, to global acclaim. And towards the end of last year, you led the conversation on Channel 4's documentary, Hair Power, Me and My Afro. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen the documentary, can you describe what it explored and what you hope it brought to the fore? 
Yeah, sure. Um, so the documentary, um, I kind of curated it. I'm not, um, I, I'm not in it that much. I use it as a forum to kind of give the floor over to like other people. And there's a narrative that's like weaved through the hair stories of a broad range of contributors. And then I just kind of link that together with some of the themes of, 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 of the book, uh, Don't Touch My Hair. So really, I think what it does is speak to the broad um, diversity that exists within black hairstyle and culture. And yet within the diversity that exists, the parallels and similarities that also exist, one of those being how significant hair is to you know black people and to people of African descent and to and to black cultures and how how we feel about our hair how we express ourselves through our hair you know on a kind of societal level on a personal level but also about how people you know historically and into the contemporary moment have kind of responded to us based on our hair and then our responses to that in turn you can um tell a lot actually about race relations and um, where we're at through norms around black hair and the type of hairstyles as well that are favored in a in a in a given moment you can see histories of kind of assimilation histories of resistance you can see how people are discriminated against how people are you know, kind of punitive forces are are used, or how people express joy. There's there's a lot that can be moments that are kind of more kind of about like freedom and resistance and lots of different things. So um, yeah, the hair is a, a a lens through which to look at a lot of other things. And and also Emma, you've um, been involved in working to make hair discrimination illegal in the UK Equalities Act. Can you just tell us a little bit more about this and your work on this? Yeah, sure. Um, So the level of school exclusions that were happening to um, black children, children of African descent for doing nothing more than wearing their hair as it grows from their heads or because of the texture of our hair, um, you can't really, uh, for maintenance, you don't always like leave it out because it like can get tangled it like dries out we will put it in like protective styles so things like locks and braids and twists is not just fashion it's also like a method of like maintaining our hair it's part of um looking after our hair but our hair has quite different needs and characteristics to caucasian hair there seems to be a real lack of understanding about those hairstyles so children will be excluded from school or punished or discriminated against in some way for many of the hairstyles that are just entirely ordinary and necessary hairstyles within black hairstyling culture. So I have been campaigning to the Equalities Act um, 2010 exists and um, it's illegal to discriminate against people based on racial characteristics, but it talks about the color of skin and it talks about like ethnicity and nationality. But because um, black people also experience discrimination around our hair, but hair isn't explicitly named as a protected characteristic. I was campaigning to actually name hair so that it's explicit that um, there is protection for hair because of the way that negatively um, impacts on people of African descent. Yeah, absolutely. And that is, yeah, like you say, like shocking that that could happen to... A- anyone in a school environment and such yeah, incredibly important work. 
And obviously we've been chatting about hair already, Emma, but kind of leading into your first piece of hair advice, what is the best piece of hair advice that you have ever been given or that you have to give? Best advice, it's not really one thing. It's more just like understanding um, how to look <laughs> look after my hair, which isn't something that like um, I really grew up knowing how to do. I think like with the natural hair movement as well, like on a really... Um, wide scale um black women black people started like reacquainting ourselves with um methods and techniques to actually um look after natural hair rather than you know hair that had been um processed um because people kind of stopped chemically straightening their hair like en masse so there was kind of a, a big group steep steep learning curve but for me it was probably just learning about like twist outs like learning how to just divide my hair and simply twist it and then sleep on that and then when I open it out, you know, it's just it's just just a way of maintaining maintaining our hair that's really necessary and simple. It seems so basic, but I just didn't have that basic knowledge like growing up. So yeah, twists, twist outs, I would say for hair. And do you have any favorite hair products at the moment? So I absolutely adore um, Charlotte Menses. Um, oh, I love her so much. Yeah, um, her Mankiti oil hair range is an absolute dream. Um, it makes me actually like look forward to washing my hair, which is quite an event, washing my hair. Um, I also really love Diziac, their conditioner. I think it was the first product they brought out and then the shampoo, but both are like, both are really gorgeous. Um, they're probably the two main ones that I'm using at the moment um, that I really, really love. Amazing. Okay, and now let's talk about makeup then. So what is your yeah. best piece of makeup advice? I don't, you know, I don't really feel like I've ever gotten that much makeup advice, you know, um, but that I would give to somebody else is I grew up like caking my face in foundation and usually foundation that didn't suit. Like when I was growing up in Ireland, you couldn't buy makeup for like any darker skin tones because there were just no people of color there whatsoever I used to order like a foundation from England from like a theatrical makeup shop to just wear a foundation but um before I did that and I was just caking myself in the foundation that was far too light even after that just this assumption that I just needed to wear foundation and that I needed to have this kind of full face of coverage and then I guess learning that no you don't need you can still have like coverage that's like much lighter um, or you can just use foundation, you know, on certain parts of your face rather than the entire face for um, maybe just like a lighter look. So for me, that was quite um, quite a revelation. But no one really told me. I just you figured it out. out on your own. But I think that's such a good yeah. tip as well. And something that I like to do is like pinpointing foundation. So it doesn't feel like a mask, just kind of touching up where you want to and letting your real skin shine through. Exactly. Brilliant. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, we'll be right back with Emma after this. Uh, welcome back. So we are going on to our third piece of advice with Emma, which is around fragrance. So yes, fragrance. What is your best piece of fragrance advice, um, Emma? So I'm really like funny about fragrance in that like I don't like most perfumes. They actually like, they just feel like too much and overbearing. But then I have like, you know, one or two that I just absolutely adore you know and they're kind of like signature signature scents um so with fragrance I'd say it's like identifying like a smell 
that makes you that's really like evocative and that just makes you feel um oh sorry when I'm actually thinking about the, the, the perfumes that I love I'm like feel really like they take you away oh, they take almost, my mind away yeah yeah, it, yeah so like to just find like that scent that makes you feel like that and it can just like transform your whole day you know um I think the power the power of scent is so is 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 so much and we often like overlook it so yeah just um I guess experimenting till you find one that is just kind of magical and what are your magical scents so there's one that I love um it's actually like it's actually very heavy but I just find it like yeah so evocative it's called like portrait of a lady I think they just sell it at liberty yes um, love that, that one was, that was my go-to for a long time. But then I moved my one of the moment that I hope I'm pronouncing, you know, when you just see something written all the time and then like you never say yeah, it. Yeah, and you can't pronounce it. What is it called? I might know it. It's called Nordic. Mm. So it's Maya and then N-J-I-E, Maya N-J-I-E, the woman that makes it. Um, is Swedish and West African so it's like inspired by her Swedish and West African heritage so I think I find that quite appealing not that I'm Swedish but like I'm Irish and West African Um, and yeah I just find her range like really really evocative but Nordic and Tropica oh my god they are so good so 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 good like the best I haven't smelt those I want to want to try those just just (laughs) yeah they're your signature I'm speechless (laughs) you're speechless um okay so let's go on to nails do you have a best piece of nail advice okay so I don't think this is like necessarily like for everybody but it's like for for me I started getting like acrylics in oh my god you know like everyone does acrylics now and it's just like very normal I started getting them when I started going to Atlanta back to Atlanta as a teenager uh, in the 90s and I'd come back to Dublin and you couldn't get acrylics done there and it was like perceived as like a very black thing and there was actually kind of like a stigma around it you know like it was so different to how it is now where it's just like everyone does it just kind of as ordinary but anyway I got really addicted to it because you know uh, once you're used to having those long glamorous like elegant nails it's really hard and also my fingers are like quite short and my hands are quite small so I was like oh I can't look at my hands without like acrylic or gel um so just wearing them all the time all the time and just like ruining my nails and I think just realizing that I was enough with my natural nails, which don't grow very long. And I think the um, when nail art as well just started to happen um, on kind of natural length nails, um, just getting like shellac or something, but it just being a natural length, that was really um, transformative for me as well, much as I love how the other the longer ones look, um, they're not practical for me personally at the moment with like young children and just like running around and whatnot. And I can just like let my own natural nails like be healthy. Do their thing. And you're a fan of a little bit of nail art. Oh yeah, I love it. I love nail art. Like I love all the innovation and creativity like around around nail culture. Absolutely. Because it's, it's such like, it's a part of our body that was just like, like I said, it was like, it was really big in like black culture, but um, kind of outside of that, as far as I saw, nails weren't really like su- such a big thing, but it's such a vis- visible part of your body that um, why not adorn it, you know, why not like 
do something with it. No, I love that. Like think about how much we look at our hands all day, especially now typing away on laptops. If you can have a color or a nail that gives you a bit of a mood boost, then yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay, your fifth piece of advice, Emma, let's talk about self-care. What's the best piece of self-care advice that you've ever been given or that you have to give? So for me, I don't think I was given it, (laughs) but I will give it to others. Um, For me, it would be meditation. Like I started practicing transcendental meditation um, about eight years ago, and I've practiced it quite regularly um, since then. And I really noticed the difference when I work it into my schedule and when I don't have time to do it you know I think having that taking that time out when possible and trying to make that time to just you know sit with yourself tap into other forms of consciousness to just deconnect from all the overstimulation and all the distractions um and just kind of have a kind of realignment check in with yourself is just like so grounding and transformative so yeah if people can kind of um try and practice meditation I think that's something really great in terms of self-care is it something that you found easy from the get-go like it's something that I always kind of struggle to get in into the groove with but I know some people find it super easy did you or did it take time to work up to a level where you felt comfortable with it yeah the reason transcendental meditation um was particularly appealing to me was because it wasn't one of the ones where you just have to um completely empty your mind and when there was that imperative or I felt that pressure with other forms of meditation I'd immediately kind of like panic and be like oh I can't do this oh I can't concentrate but with transcendental meditation you're given a mantra there's like your own personal mantra that's kind of like divined for you and you have that you can't tell anybody but you just you sit and you repeat you repeat it to yourself so because you have that anchor because you have that word or that sound that you're repeating, to me that kind of removed all the pressure of, that I found like with other, well the way other forms of meditation were at least being described to me and that anchor really helped me. And then you do kind of go off or all types of exciting things happen. That sounds amazing. And did you, you chose this word or this phrase or are you given it to someone, like how does it work, no. that type of meditation? Yeah. You do a course and you go, um, I don't know what the person is called. It was quite a long time ago. But um, the teacher, the teacher, that's what they call it. They like, and I can't even remember the process, but they divine the word for you. And then they tell you what the word is. And then you can't tell anybody. So nobody knows, nobody knows my word. The other day, my son was just like, what, there's a secret word. What is it? And I was like, I'm not telling you. Like, come on, you don't tell me. Um, oh, I so, bet he's going to keep on asking and asking no, about that. I think he's forgotten now. Actually, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he did ask me relentlessly for about half an hour, but then he just got bored. Um, and then you do it. So for maximum, for optimum effect, you're supposed to do it 20 minutes in the morning and then 20 minutes in the evening. I actually never manage to do both, but if I even do the 20 minutes in the morning everything's better really do you feel like it just sets sets you up for the day yeah yeah and it's also really restorative as well like um 
if, if you're having like sleep deprivation or you're just very tired, um, there's something about the process that your body, the state that your body goes into while you're doing it that is comparable. You, you can't replace sleep, but it's like a deeply like restful state. Emma, I am sold. That's going to be me, <laughs> me tomorrow morning. Um, I need to get my word first though. Okay, that's going to be me when I have my word. Um, okay, and we have done our five pieces of advice. So we always finish with our final question, which is the biggest beauty blunder. So talk to me, what is your biggest beauty blunder? Any lighthearted tales to tell us to finish Oh on? yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple. The first would be the white foundation, um, which would have been fine if I was like a goth, but I wasn't trying to be a goth. Um, and then the second would be, oh yeah, I still... It still breaks my heart. Uh, my eyebrows. Um, so I plucked my You've eyebrows. Great in. brows. Yeah, but they're like, like I have to like do something with them. Thank you. Um, but no, they're very, they're 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 thin. I just plucked them into almost non-existence in the nineties when those very arched like surprised pencil eyebrows were all the rage and my mum was like don't do it I did that in the 60s I have no eyebrows left and fashion's gonna change you're gonna hate it and I was just like shut up mum <laughs> kept doing it since I was 24 which is a long time ago <laughs> I've been trying to grow them back they're a lot better than they were but they're still like super patchy and they were just naturally the kind of eyebrows everyone wants now I had them and I don't anymore and that really pisses me off. Well, they look amazing. I need to know what you're using on them. What products do you use to, you said powders to fill them in? Oh, yeah. Very, like, quite low maintenance. Just um, MAC eyeshadow in Brun. And then, like, a little brush that's for something else that costs about 99p and it's kind of on its last legs. <laughs> Could definitely do with being replaced. I just, like, lightly put the eyeshadow on the brush and then, like, fill in the gaps of which there are many. Well, it's looking amazing. Can I use that as my advice as well? Eyebrows? Sometimes yeah. I just a little bit, oh yeah, like the, the wonders that can be achieved with just a little bit of like well-appointed brown or whatever color your eyebrows are, eye, eyeshadow. Just a little bit, fill in the gaps, arch it a bit. It just is transformative. I'm all about a brow product. I apply about three every day. <laughs> Your eyebrows look fantastic. So well, they're, they're yeah, mine are all filled in. So <laughs> yeah, so our mutual love of eyebrow products. Well, um, thank you so much for that, Emma. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everyone who has tuned in and listened. It was, yeah, so brilliant to chat to you, Emma. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that's Emma Debrie. I really enjoyed speaking to Emma, listening to her stories and hearing about her favorite products. We say this a lot, I know, but please, please take a minute to rate and review the Grazia Beauty Life Lessons podcast in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. So next time, we've got Brooklyn-based celebrity makeup artist and influencer, Katie Jane Hughes. If I'm going out to a shoot or a job with a client or a celebrity client of mine, I'm not really always going to want to rock up with a full colorful kind of tie-dye colored eye on my face but if I know I'm just going to be pottering around the house it might be a perfect day to experiment with that kind of thing and show it off on the internet and be like hey this is a fun style of makeup you can try if you're also trying to get ready for a post-lockdown party or you know whatever it is it'll be another great one so I'll see you then